Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is Terry O'Toole, health scientist in the Division of Adolescent and School Health at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, talking to Marlene Schwartz, Deputy Director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity, about the Communities Putting Prevention to Work initiative. Hello, this is Marlene Schwartz. I am the Deputy Director of the Red Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. And I'm here today with our guest, Dr. Terry O'Toole, who is Senior Advisor on the Communities Putting Prevention to Work State and Territory Initiative with the Division of Nutrition, Physical Activity, and Obesity at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about the CPPW program, which some of our listeners may have heard of. It stands for Communities Putting Prevention to Work. And one of Dr. O'Toole's initiatives right now is to really oversee what's happening in the implementation and evaluation of this program. So first, um, can you tell us a little bit about the program, how big it is, and how many communities across the country have been funded to participate in this program? Absolutely, Marlene. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. The Communities Putting Prevention to Work program is an initiative that is part of the Americans, oops, sorry, I got to come up with ARA. The Communities Putting Prevention to Work initiative is part of the Recovery Act initiative, otherwise known as stimulus funding. The particular initiative that you're asking about, CPPW, is a policy and environmental focused initiative intended to reduce chronic disease in Americans. This is an unprecedented amount of funding that we've received at CDC to address chronic disease, that is to say tobacco use prevention and obesity prevention in, in a long time. We are, we are very excited about the opportunities that are involved with the CPBW funding. So let me share with you kind of what it looks like. It's a $650 million program for 24 months of funding. What that translates to is about $450 million for directed toward communities and about $120 million directed towards states. Of that $450 million, about $350 million goes directly to communities. There were 50 communities that were funded across the country for CPPW activities. So what they needed to do was to implement policy and environmental change initiatives to address tobacco use and physical activity and nutrition. So what that looks like for a state, or excuse me, like a community like Chicago is that they would receive approximately $13 million over two years to address chronic disease. Uh, some of the things that we're seeing in those communities are very exciting. Even though they're just getting started on their funding, we're seeing a lot of activity. One such initiative is out of Seattle King County. They convened a fruit and vegetables community group and what they did was they surveyed the community, they found a strong demand for produce, they initiated what they called their Healthy Foods Here initiative, and they've essentially uh, put in environmental change strategies in helping corner stores in what are called food deserts. So what that means is you can walk into a lo uh, your local Walgreens in Seattle, King County, and the first thing you'll see as you walk in the door is a beautiful display of fresh fruits and vegetables for available for you. 
Well, that certainly will be a different site than you see in most Walgreens across the country. How are the um, effects of that intervention going to be assessed or tested? We actually have an unprecedented amount of money going toward evaluation. We have about $30 million going toward evaluation. And as you might guess, with that with that investment, there are several initiatives going on. Not only are we investing in biometrics assessments, uh, collecting um, height and weight and physical activity levels and, and what um, people are eating, et cetera, we are also doing case studies in communities and states. So what we want to do is we want to, we want to learn from what they're doing. How did they adopt their policy? What are some of the strategies that they use? What are the barriers that they encountered? How did they overcome those barriers? So we can use the, those lessons learned and share with other communities and states across the country. Well, this will be really exciting, and it's kind of amazing that it's only 24 months for this funding, because in the field of public health, oftentimes interventions take a long time, evaluation takes a long time, so these groups are really having to move quickly. They're having to move quickly, and we've helped them by tailoring what they'll do. So in other words, they don't just receive this money and off to the races they go, but we have given them a menu of what are called MAPS strategies. And MAPS is an acronym that stands for Media Access pricing, point of purchase promotion, and social support. And there are a selection of about 20 or so evidence-based options that they can select to target their policy environmental change initiatives on. So it's, not, it's, it's a very targeted uh, intervention. So they don't have to spend a lot of time. Uh, we've already done the science for them, so to speak, right? They can just kind of hit the ground running. So is your impression in looking at what's happening in the different communities that most communities are picking just a couple of different things, or do they tend to try a whole bunch of strategies in the same community? That's a great question. In fact, what we're seeing is that, first of all, the requirement for the communities was that they were to select one, at least one strategy or one outcome strategy in each of the five areas, five MAPS areas for tobacco and for obesity. So we know they're targeted in that way. Um, So what will be interesting for us, of course, will be to see which interventions were successful, um, which interventions uh, were slower to come to fruition. And again, these are are jurisdiction-wide policy and environmental change initiatives. So we're not talking about a health fair or a walk to school day. We're talking about adoption of a community-wide policy where a wellness policy eliminates junk foods in schools, for example, or where there's a policy that corner stores must have fruits and vegetables available, or in child care centers they must have standards for the foods that they offer in all child care centers in their jurisdiction. So we are talking about sweeping changes. So this will be remarkable to see all of these changes occur and to see what the effect of them is. One thing that I was wondering about is it seems like some of these changes are really focused on increasing access and really promoting healthier foods like fruits and vegetables, whereas other changes seem to have the strategy of reducing access to unhealthy foods or somehow limiting unhealthy foods. Is there any um, thought as to which of these might be more effective or any way that that might be evaluated? 
We're certainly evaluating both of those uh, approaches because you're right, we're, we're not quite sure as to which is more effective at this point in time. So we've got that, we've got that um, considered in our evaluation approach. And it will be interesting to see which is, which is more, which is more uh, effective, right? Uh, what we do know is that um, incentive programs do work. So the approach to increase access is is useful, but we also know that the other approach works well too. In other words, eliminating junk foods in schools. We know that of schools that have done that, uh, they have replaced. If they're still choosing to sell foods, they they sell foods that meet certain standards, uh, and they can still maintain their financial position that way. Or they can implement a non-food fundraiser, for example. So that'll be one of the really interesting things to come out is just that the field, it seems, has had just you know dozens and dozens of different ideas of how to address something as complicated as obesity. And here you'll have this sort of these natural experiments happening all over the country where different communities try different things, and we can see how each one of them works. So when is the um, end of the 24 months? Yes, it's, <laughs> uh, we, uh, we actually have just finished our third quarter. And so we have eight quarters. We're actually kind of using business language speak, if you will, to think about this public health funding. And it's very exciting to see how quickly we can move uh, and how quickly our, our grantees have moved on things. The funding will end in March 2012. Wow, which really so isn't that far away. It is right around the corner. Well, this will be exciting. It's exciting both the comprehensiveness, but it's also exciting how quickly this program has gotten implemented and will be evaluated because that really is um, different than I think a lot of the public health research has been. It really, we are trying a lot of things at once and then testing them right away. Well, thank you so much for being with us here at the Red Center. Uh, I was here with Terry O'Toole from the CDC and we look forward to hearing more about how these initiatives worked across the country. Thanks, Marlene. Terry O'Toole is a health scientist in the Division of Adolescent and School Health at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And Marlene Schwartz is Deputy Director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity. For more information about the Rudd Center and the field of obesity and food policy, please log on to YaleRuddCenter.org.